Hello and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debman. I'm joined, as I am every week, by Mr. Shane Reeves. So, I got tons of issues that I have to discuss tonight that can only be discussed over a cigar. Yeah. That's the best time to discuss the things that are really eating at you. Well, I've got to decide, do I have the time and crayons to take on a new protege? Oh. I've got to decide, talk to you and figure out the proper protocol for handling a wingman slash hype man. I've got to talk to you. Hiring one or dealing with one? Dealing with one. I don't need one. And all, and I, I've got to. You're just, your own hype man, right? That's right. There's so many issues to be covered, but the most important thing we're going to do is light these cigars. All right. Well, while I fish my lighter out of my jacket over here, why don't you tell me what you're smoking tonight? So tonight I'm smoking one of your favorites, a cigar you turned me on to when we started this show was the Don Pepin Garcia Blue. And I'd never smoked a blue, and then I smoked several, and have really enjoyed it. And then I was in a little cigar store in Florence, Alabama and found a Don Pepin Garcia Lancero. And I've never had it. Reading about it, they used to call it the Puffin Stuff Lancero. Yeah, I think it originally came out as a shop exclusive. Yeah, it was um, originally offered in a holiday sampler, holiday Lancero sampler. Okay. So, And then they probably did have enough orders that it became a shop exclusive to some places, but... I come across one, and I always love digging to the back of a humidor and blowing the dust off of something that's been there a while. Oh, I love that. And just seeing what it is. So I'm very excited to smoke this. I don't think either one of us has ever smoked a Lancero on the show. Definitely not on the show, and I haven't had that. You know, we've talked before about my feeling on Lanceros. I'm not usually a huge fan, so I haven't had that particular one at all, much less any Lancero on the show. So it'll be it'll be an interesting cigar cast first. Well, I'm... Um, anxious to light it up. I hope I don't light it too hot. Lanceros, I always worry about lighting them too hot. Yeah. I always kind of take a little more time with the cut and a little more time with the light. What I'm telling you is extend your description of your cigar um, and really (laughs) be sure that the fire is just perfect because it is such a you have such a narrow margin for error when smoking a Lancero. Well, and it's one of the reasons that I really like the soft flame lighter is because on cigars like that that you need to be a little more kind of focused on what you're doing it makes it easier because you can control the amount of heat that you're putting on the end of the cigar you're more than welcome to use mine if you would like yeah let me use your soft flame i'll i'll even go soft flame on this all right Uh, i can always go to the jet and torch it later exactly and i'll now this cigar real quick before i light it it is a nicaraguan puro binder filler and um wrapper but the wrapper is a corojo oscuro which is that brownish red in Spanish is that what that means <laughs> Some, something it's similar to that yeah so the, somebody will somebody will email me and say hey Shane Corojo Escuro actually means you know pig shoulder or something I was going to say monkey tail that's <laughs> funny that we both went <laughs> okay tell us about All your right. cigar uh, so I'm smoking a cigar that I haven't had in a couple of years since it first came out is the Postania don't try and spell it based on the way it's pronounced, uh, but it's the Postania Broadleaf Toro. It is a kind of all over the place cigar. It's a broadleaf wrapper, of course, with Indonesian binder and Nicaraguan filler. So it's kind of an interesting full, medium full to full bodied cigar. They first got them in this shop under the previous ownership, and I had a couple. Wasn't blown away, but liked them, and everyone who has a similar palette to me really liked them as well. And it's something I've just, you know, price point's about 11 bucks, which is not, is not a daily smoke for me, but it's also not completely out of the, the realm of uh, feasibility. I just, for some reason, don't tend to keep going back to it, but I saw it in the humidor and was looking to try something a little different than usual, and I picked it up tonight. Well, and you're looking at the broadleaf. I do wrapper. have a broadleaf. They also do a uh, Habano leaf wrapper as well. That's in That cigar is one I've never smoked. I've seen it. I bet I've walked past it in the humidor 200 times. But it's never really caught my eye as being something... I don't know what it is about their advertising. It doesn't seem to catch my eye. A uh, friend of the show, Aaron Hooks, is a really big fan of these. Back when he and I used to work here together, he smoked a whole bunch of these when we first got in. So I know, and he and I have a very similar palate 
So I think now that my palate has had a, a chance to kind of rest on this cigar for a little while, I think it's a good time to go back to it. Good time to try something new. And, you know, especially we're kind of in this changing of seasons. You know, this morning we woke up and it was below 30 and this afternoon I sat outside and ate half a Stromboli before we came in here to do the podcast so we're at such a changing of the seasons going kind of from winter to spring. Well what's unusual for the part of Tennessee that we live in is that we actually got a winter this year. You know we we went several weeks where the high was in the 30s consistently and below freezing at night and usually we get a couple of days throughout January, February, and December where it's over 60 degrees. We didn't really get that this year. We're halfway through. I think this is only the second or third day this year we've had above 60. So it it, it definitely definitely feels like we're starting to get into what we're more used to seeing for this time of year. Anyway. Well, and it can't come quick enough. I've said it before. When deer season's over, I'm done with winter. I'm, they can just call a hold to it at that point. So I'm ready now for spring. I'm ready to catch some fish. I'm ready to be out canoeing, smoking cigars. I'm ready to do the things outdoors. So let me. Ask, this may be a little regional for our for our podcast, but I'm interested to know your take. There's a there's a bill on the floor of the Tennessee State Congress to get rid of daylight saving time in Tennessee, but their proposal is to. Uh, spring forward, you know, this March, and then leave it there and just forget about it. I feel like you'd be on board with that. I'm 100% for it. Never been for anything more in my life. (laughs) I mean... See, I, I say do away with daylight saving time. I'm fine with it. But the problem is, actually, I really like daylight time. But you can't just choose to be in the eastern time zone because that's essentially what we're doing. We're just going, no, we're going to be eastern time zone now. Why not? Why would you not just choose to? I mean, that's that's the greatest thing about being a human being is you always have the ability to change your circumstances. You know, I've raised Cain numerous times about people villainizing the rich because the one thing you can control in this life, you can be rich if you want to. If you're willing to do the work, if you're smart enough, if you try hard enough, you can be rich. It's the one thing in this world we can control and so many people give up their control of that facet of life. I, th- there's some... Uh, I feel that could be a very contentious topic depending on your audience, I think. Well, yes, if you're talking to losers, yes, it could be very contentious. But if you're talking to people who understand the, uh, the opportunities we have in this world, that's the one thing you can always change. You can always decide to be rich. You well, can work hard and become rich. I saw something that I really liked the other day that said, uh, think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. I really love the thought of that. I, I love little bits of philosophy like that. Which but, the only downside was I heard it on Shark Tank. Uh, <laughs> well, before we get into the philosophical portion of this show, I do want you to tell me about what's in front of you. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really excited. We don't do a whole lot of product reviews on this show. And everyone should know at this point that I am just an accessories nerd. And I had presented to me a travel ashtray today that I want to kind of talk about. I don't know branding, where to get it or anything, but I've never heard of a a travel ashtray before. So I wanted to show it to you. It comes in this little leather pouch and it's got these two cigar holders on it. The way it works is... And now to describe for those folks at home, it looks like a pocket protector. That's does, really it, the only thing you can compare it to. Yeah, it really does. It looks like, a, or maybe a sleeve for your phone case or something. It's about it's about six inches by four inches or six by three, something like that. Um, very thin leather, uh, leather pouch. It's got these two, what you would recognize as cigar holders on the top. And they're on these little slide. I'll post a picture to the Instagram account. Uh, so that everyone can see what we're talking about. So it's got these little pieces of wire that the cigar holders sort of slide in. If you look in this little pouch, you pull out this really thin piece of metal. And what you do is you loop that little wire on either side of the uh, little piece of metal there. And now, if you don't do it backwards like I just did, um, and yeah, curve side up. Yeah, 
<laughs> that tends to be uh, the. Uh, this one's not. Um, there may be a right and a wrong way to do this, um, but basically it creates a little ashtray for you, and it's Crazy. all it's all metal. It's all stainless, so you get the opportunity to. Uh, so it's really easy to clean, and you just wherever you go, there's your ashtray. Well, ain't that sexier than socks on a rooster? <laughs> That's just something unique. I, I, yeah. I enjoy. I, here's what I enjoy. Invention is the best of humankind. And little things like that where somebody was thinking about it. Okay, how can I make an ashtray the width of a $20 bill? Well, how many times have you been on a camping trip or sitting somewhere where, there, where you were smoking a cigar but there wasn't an ashtray to be found? And so you, you know, cut the top off of a soda can or something like that. And this just, you've always, you keep it in your car, whatever you need to do. Now, do their little clips magnetic? No, they're all, uh, it's all based on the tension that it puts on the little card here. See, they need a little magnet on the back of that holder so that I could just slap that holder onto something metal whenever I didn't want to use the full ashtray setup and wanted to just use the holder by itself. Well, I mean, it's got a flat little button back. You could easily just hot glue a little magnet onto the back of it if you wanted to. And it, it clears the piece of metal here so you wouldn't interfere with anything to do it that way that's really cool because i have a travel ashtray i have a couple of them that fit in your cup holder oh yeah i used to have one of those yeah the top pops off and you can lay a cigar in it and all the problem is if you don't dump it immediately and you shut it the next time you open it it'll choke you to death oh there is very i think i've said it on the show before there's very little that's as nice as the aroma of a fresh cigar there's very little as bad as the aroma of stale ash. Yeah, it's just absolutely, that's my only complaint. And I love these little ashtrays, but that, you know, we used to go and sit down at the gazebo at the apartments we used to live before we bought our house. And we would sit down there and I would take my little travel ashtray because they didn't have ashtrays there at the gazebo. Right. And I didn't want to flick it off on the concrete. I'm not an animal. So, and that, just be a better human being wherever you go. And one of the ways you can be a better human being wherever you go is to control the amount of ash that comes off of your cigar. Absolutely. Oh, now there's the his and hers setup. Yeah, exactly. That's so very got, cool. If, you've, if you're smoking with a buddy, you both have a place to lay your cigar. If you both, if your cigar ends touch, you're legally married in Georgia, correct? That's right. Okay. Just thought I would check. So in other cigar news, I'm interested to see how the ashtray thing progresses. I'm expecting it to explode into flames any moment. <laughs> I'm smoking hot. I don't think I'm smoking that hot. So Avo announced this week. So Avo's been really turning it on. Davidoff is really kicking up the Avo brand. They announced the Avo 22 and the Leo 5 are returning in 2018. So when Davidoff took over Avo, they cut about half of their cigars out of their line, and now they seem to be slowly reintroducing them. Yeah, you know, I don't think... I, I think it's a close... It's a close battle between Camacho and Avo, but I think Avo might be the best cigars in, that Davidoff uh, distributes. Avo definitely, to me, is the best cigars that Davidoff makes. Um, the Camachos are good for their price point, but as far as a cigar that's just always going to be a winner, it's hard to beat the Avo. Now, the tw- number 22 was to pay tribute to Avo, Tavo of Asian, and it's an Ecuadorian sun-grown wrapper over a Dominican binder and four different Dominican fillers. Huh. So it's going to be, it's going to have a 30th anniversary label on it. It's a very sharp presentation. They're going to retail for about 15 bucks. But I'm looking forward to getting my hands on one that's of those. That's a pretty good price point for a special Avo like that. Yeah, that's a little on the high side for a day-to-day smoke, but some days, you know, when you want to throw the extra four or five bucks at it, that's probably not a bad deal at all. Yeah, and I mean, Avo, to their credit, they tend to they tend to be pretty close to the $12 range to begin with, so you're not really stepping up that much from their regular line. And Avo, um, you know, the the barrel age came out. I've said it before, the Camacho barrel age came out, and the Camacho barrel age is within $1 of what the Avo Synchro Fogata is. Yeah. Well, for a dollar, I'm going to pick up the Fogata every time. I w- if there was no Fogata, I would smoke more barrel age. But when the prices get that close, I'm going to smoke the Fogata. Yeah, because gr- I almost picked it up tonight, actually. It's a great cigar. 
Well, I can't think of a cigar that I would rather smoke. That I can't think of a sig- single cigar offered by Camacho that I would rather smoke than an Oppo. Yeah, I, I really can't either. But I'm not. That sounds like I'm downing. You know, Camacho. Camachos are great smokes. I had one last night. I had the Coropo. I had one at lunch today. And oh, I've got to tell you this. Uh, I had a great experience at lunch. Uh, it was a, kind of a stressful day, and so I made up my mind by about 9.30 that I was going to smoke a cigar on lunch, which I don't do but maybe once a month, but today was that day. And so I went and I had a uh, Camacho X Ecuador BXP Robusto. Love that cigar. At 9 bucks, you really can't beat it. And went to get up to go, and I'd already eaten lunch too, and I get up to leave to go back to the office, and I, the room was spinning a little bit. I was, it, that thing hammered me a little. I was like, wow, I was not expecting that. Yeah, if you hit it a little hard, it'll catch up to you. And sometimes I tend to, like you're talking about a situation where you're trying to smoke it at lunch, mm. and you don't want to waste any cigars, so perhaps you puff a little more often and take imbibe a little deeper into the cigar than you normally would. Yeah, I don't usually get caught up like that, and it's at least not on, an, on a full stomach. And it just really, you know, the box press itself that Camacho makes is, is a little lighter rolled because it's also... Um, it, they also tend to be lighter rolled cigars anyway, but the BXP, just by nature of being box pressed, is also light. So the thing smoked, without even trying to smoke it fast, I actually finished the cigar before I left to go back to work. Normally, I have a little bit of cigar left over, and I finish it in, in the five-minute drive from the cigar shop back to the office. I didn't even have any left today. That may have had something to do with it, but it was just, I, I was like, whoa, this... This thing cut it. I guess I guess I did relax at lunch. Well, and that's a wonderful thing when you have the day. You know, Friday I had to make and do some run some errands for a couple of hours. I knew I was going to be in the truck for over an hour, and I was running here and running there, and I fired up an Undercrown Shade and just puffed on it real slow. And I love the look that drivers give you when they walk by, and you've got a big cigar in your mouth, and you're just sitting there, and they kind of look at you like. There's either a look of disgust or a look of envy. Oh yeah, it's it's especially around, especially when you're driving through Belmead, you get it's more the disgust than the envy. But <laughs> well, I was driving through Columbia, so it was more the envy. Yeah, <laughs> it's a different price bracket. And exactly. All that. So I especially love the people on a day like today where it's finally nice out, so people have their windows rolled down for the first time this year. And so they, you come and this big plume of smoke comes billowing out your driver's window and you just see them. It's like that Clark Griswold, roll them up. <laughs> it's, just, it's just nice, that volume of smoke. So You get the people double taking, is that a vape or a cigar? Like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> that's yeah. real smoke. I need to be afraid. Yeah, I'm a dude that's not a vape. <laughs> oh, I think vaping is ruining this country. I cannot stand the whole vaping procedure and all. And I'm not going to make this podcast about grumbling about things, even though I'm on a great start to it. You are on a roll right now. (laughs) But I hate being here in the cigar shop and somebody pulls out one of those little vaping things and starts blowing on it. I shamed one of our poker players into quitting vaping. And all because why inhale water full of chemicals? Why do that to yourself? How can that possibly be healthier than something grown naturally and created with love by an artesian. Well, I mean, the thing for me is I I just don't want, I don't want to taste fruity pebbles all day long. Like, they're all those flavors. They smell sweet. They taste sweet. Like, I don't have any desire for that. If if they made one that tasted like this cigar, I might, it might be nice for a little in and out of work kind of thing when you only have a few minutes and don't have enough time for a full cigar. But the, the fact remains, they just don't. I guess that's where that pipe you were talking about a couple of months ago would come in. Yeah, the Pygar pipe. I still haven't ordered one, but I'm planning on it. I actually ran into someone who knows the guy that started that. Oh, cool. Tell, tell him um, this is an excellent opportunity to have his product promoted on a podcast and give him my address to mail one. Okay, yeah. <laughs> save, save me 35 bucks. But anyway, so moving on. So, you know, for two weeks ago, we talked about happiness. And last week, we talked about other philosophical points of a man's life and living a full life. I want to talk about mentors and protégés tonight. 
Okay. I'm at a unique stage in my life. It, I, I hit this stage ever so often. The protege I had has moved on to another stage of his life. Very proud of him. I'm glad for the amount of time I got to give guidance in his life. And I'm still there in a, a um, consultory facility. He can consult mm-hmm. me. Right. I'm, I'm trying to use too many big words tonight. Please excuse me, y'all out there. <laughs> But he can still call me and ask questions from time to time, and that's what he does. But I'm at the point, I've had a couple of other young men step up and want to be mentored by me, and they've all submitted their applications and paid the required fees. And I'm trying to decide, is it time to take on a new protege or not? Now, is this in a professional or a personal capacity? It's always a personal capacity because, you know... In here in the shop, a lot of times you'll see somebody come up to me and ask me for advice. The reason they do that is because I guarantee you at some point I've come to that person and asked for advice. How many times have I sat down with you and said, hey, Trey, I I, I got a question. I need advice. I need guidance on this particular thing. Yeah. I don't think we as men in this modern society do that enough. Well, it's the old joke about stopping to ask for directions, right? I heard a great joke this week about... The the next SpaceX launch, the mannequin in the Tesla is going to be a woman, so that they can, so that someone up there will ask for directions on how to get down. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because as men, we don't seem to do that enough. We don't seem to draw upon the experience of people, and not necessarily even just people older than you. I like to ask the opinion of people younger than me a lot of times on things because they have a different perspective. Yeah, they've not been jaded by life. Although I do think there's a little bit of a bell curve like that. I think you get, you become very, very jaded in your 20s. And then you start to realize that you're overthinking things and that your perceptions are wrong. And then it starts to come down on the other side. And then once you get to your about 40s and 50s, it probably starts to go up a little again as you start getting to that cantankerous, you kids get off my lawns sort of stage of your life. Well, when you think in your life, who has been, you know, when you think of mentors, who have been real mentors in your life? Who who have really changed your life with their wisdom? I attack you while you're smoking the cigar. I thought that was a rhetorical question. I didn't realize you were actually <laughs> asking me. Uh, <laughs> well, I think the standard and will be the case for most men is my father. I mean, I think... That's the first sort of mentor we have, and it's, it's probably the one that the mentor relationship that lasts the longest and probably is the most meaningful because it's, it, it crosses those boundaries of spiritual upbringing and, and personal and relationships and professional. And, and I was just talking with some gentlemen who were sitting over here before we started recording about, you know, when you're growing up and you've got everyone has these friends growing up that we think are great people, but our parents can see the darkness that is there. They can tell that this isn't a good relationship that you should be um, fostering. Maybe you want to stay, limit your time with that person, maybe stay away. You're not going to, there's no fruit up that tree, as you would say. And I start thinking back on those friends that I had growing up and some as recently as, you know, within the past few years. And in a hundred percent of those cases, my dad was right. Yeah, it is interesting, but in 100% of those cases, it's nearly impossible to get the person to give up that friend. And and you hate to be the I told you so guy, but I guess that's the challenge of being a father, is knowing you're going to give a lot of advice that you're never going (laughs) to... That's absolutely... I mean, how many times do you have to tell the kid not to touch the hot stove, but it's not until they do it and burn their hand that they actually listen to it? You know, it's that kind of thing. Well... There's nothing more miserable that I have found than finding the 60, 70-year-old man who has no one to share his wisdom with, who has never invested himself into other men and never invested his experience and his time and his teachings into what other younger men have to offer, has never laid his hand on another man's shoulder and said, you know, you've really got something going on. I I would like to talk to you about it sometime. And the wonderful part about being in a cigar shop is it fosters that relationship. Well, and that's what I was going to say is, you know, how often do you get outside of a cigar outside of a cigar shop, when are you going to get that opportunity? Yeah, it's hard to manufacture those opportunities. You know, sometimes um, some of the mentors in my life have been my friend's fathers. You know, my father was a great mentor in my life. I don't want to lean past that. 
But when I think of mentors, I tend to think of people that stepped in, that felt no obligation, that literally stepped into my life because they wanted to be in my life. And all. And a father has a little obligation. He brought you into this world. He should equip you for it to some degree. And all. But we're going to take a break and let you hear the cigar under $8. I started this topic a little later than I meant to into the show. But when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about this because I want to delve into protégés and mentors and how that works. All right. Well, we'll be right back with that and more after this. Shane here with your Cigar Under $8 this week. This week we're going to talk about something we rarely talk about, which is a flavored cigar. This is the Acid Blondie by Drew Estate. Now, is this something that you smoke very often? This is not an often smoke for me, but there is a time in my life where this cigar has a place. Um, Usually if I've had a real sweet meal or I'm kind of full and I don't want the full heavy tobacco experience, that's when I'll kind of reach for one of these. This is something that never really enters my sphere. But I know that from an infused cigar standpoint, Drew Estate does it better than anybody else. Well, and you have... The problem with infused cigars is a lot of time you lose quality of construction when you go to the infused cigar. It's like they rely too much on the infusion or the infusion process. But these Blondies, they're wonderful. They've got a little peppermint to them. Um, One night I was drinking vanilla cognac and had one, and it was so sweet it almost overpowered my palate. But they're good cigars for a flavored cigar. This is my brother's favorite cigar. And for a flavored cigar and for something just to smoke occasionally, just to get out of your head and expand your horizons, it's hard to beat the acid blonde. And they do have that little bit of sweetness that they put in the, the glue or whatever it is on the outside of the cigar. So you're actually going to taste some of that sugary sweetness actually on your lips before you even light it. Yeah, it's a Connecticut shade wrapper. Binder's Nicaraguan, filler's Nicaraguan. It's, what, it's the bread and butter of Drew Estate. These are some of the biggest selling cigars in the world. Um, smoke them, enjoy them, take pride in the fact that you can enjoy a flavored cigar. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane Reeves, sitting across from Trey Dedman. Welcome back, everybody. The amazing foldable travel ashtray still in use. I really, I'm really happy with it. Uh, while we were on break, I realized that the back of the leather pouch has these couple of ridges on it. Because the whole first part of the show, it kept rocking back and forth because it creates this little bevel on the underside. But those little ridges keep it from rocking back and forth. And now I'm, I'm tickled to death. It's, it's a pretty cool little device. Now, I got to say, this Don Pepin Blue Lancero. I wish this thing was 16 inches long. Well, because you're already two-thirds of the way through it. You have smoked through that thing, and I'm not it's, used to seeing that from you. It's all the things I like about the Don Pepin Blue concentrated. It's so good. I, I'm going to have to go back to that cigar store and just buy the rest of them they have. Yeah, pick me one up next time you're there. That I, I'm willing. It looks like the draw hasn't been a problem for you, which is my complaint with most Lanceros. Draw has been perfect. Just a little stiffer than sipping through a straw. Which is about where I like it. I like draws slightly tighter than you like. Basically, take a milkshake, let it thaw for 34 minutes, and start bringing it through your straw, and that will tell you what this is like. That's kind of the the, the consistency. Is that a of McDonald's the milkshake, a Dairy Queen milkshake? Where would Sonic? Always Sonic. I never McDonald's. Always Sonic or Steak and Shake. Never McDonald's. Definitely never McDonald's. But not Dairy Queen. Come on, man. If I'm going to Dairy Queen, I'm getting a blizzard. I mean, uh, it's what point. they're known for. You kind of see that's gotta, what I get at Sonic. Uh, see, if I'm if I'm going to go to Dairy Queen, I'm going to get a Blizzard. It's going to be strawberry cheesecake. It's going to be set up right. Oh. <laughs> and um, how's the diet coming? <laughs> <laughs> it was good till you just mentioned that. <laughs> but coming back to what we were talking about, so sitting in the cigar shop seems like a place that does foster this mental mentor protege relationship. And it's always fun for me, but this millennial generation is a totally different... I've never had a generation that first I had to explain to them why you need to grow up, and then how to grow up. So I actually know someone in my circle who is getting ready to quit their job with 
nothing with no future prospects for a job lined up to go and he's going to backpack through Europe for three months or so with the money saved up and just go at, at like 23, 24 years old, I think, something like that. Like, and, it is, and a certain part of me is jealous, let's be honest. But at the same time, I just can't help but think, you know, I've mentioned on the show before, I'm, I'm, I'm into my 30s and I'm in the best health of my life. I have no reason to believe that that's not going to be the case 10, 20 years from now when I can afford to actually take off from my job and come back and still have one and be able to do that. So maybe it's just a difference. I mean, technically speaking, I'm a millennial, although I don't think like the stereotype of the millennial generation, that's not the way I'm wired. I just couldn't imagine doing that being 20. I mean, first of all, I never was close to having that kind of money at that age, but to just the thought of like, I'm just not going to work for six months or whatever it is. And I'm just going to go to your, like, but that's that whole, that's that growing up thing. Well, and the question is what's, you know, I don't mind seeing a man do that, but I want him to have a point. Is he going because he wants to find himself? Is he going because he's planning to embark on a career that's going to take a lot of his time? Is he about to get married and knows this may be his chance, last chance to make a run for something like that? Going with significant other. Taking his significant other. So they're going to go and they're really going to get to know each other. Yeah. How long have they been married? Uh, they have, they're not married yet. Okay. So they're going to really go get to know. Otherwise I would have said wife. Sure. Well, you said significant other. <laughs> oh, I, I see. I see. And I'll, I'm sorry. I'm, fair, fair I'm an old dude. Significant no. other means wife. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it seems to run. Um, but I can, I can understand that. I can understand if you don't know who you are and you want to go on a vision quest, for lack of a better word. Or a, uh, a rumspringer. Yeah, if if for you know you want to do that and you want to find out who you are, I can I can dig that. And let's face it, there has never been a better time to be poor than right now. Because even poor people live a quality of life that so far outstretches what our forefathers did. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. I mean, how many poor people do you know? People you would consider poor, people that make under $18,000 a year that have a 42-inch TV hanging on their wall. Yeah. Most of them. I don't think I know anyone making that little. Well, uh, I know I several. I mean, that's... Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the, that's part of why they're poor, because instead of spending money furthering their education, they're buying a 42-inch well, TV no, and hanging do, it on their I wall. do know plenty of people like that. Now, granted, it's far be it for me to tell someone how to spend their money. But... Well, but you're right. You can get further on less now than I think you used to be able to. Well, you know, and so the mentor-protege relationship's always been crucial in my life. I think it's crucial to a man's happiness how he acquires people around him, whether it be in the cigar shop, whether it be volunteering with the girls and boys club or whatever he happens to be doing. And, I'll, and I think I've, I've said this phrase before because this is a phrase I live by. If you're going to be a mentor, you have to be called to service, not to success. Because you're not always going to be successful with those you choose to delve your time into. It's true. I mean, it's... And it, it, because some people, and, and for some reason, it, for some, wow, I'm having a really hard time getting that out. Sometimes it's you, sometimes it's the other person, sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's circumstances. Yeah. You know, sometimes the circumstances just happen. You have a protege that becomes very ill. Right. You know, and all of a sudden his whole perspective on life has to change. Or you have a protege that inherits a lot of money and has to change his whole perspective on life. There's, there's all different manners in which these things come to, come to light. So it's, a, it's interesting. Like I said, I'm, I'm auditioning a couple of guys. I've got to decide who I want to kind of take under my wing. So what does that mean for you? Well, it's in asking a lot of questions. When I mentor, I use a lot of clinical curiosity. It's okay, so you're planning to go do that today. How does that, how does that lead to success in your life? 
how does that move your life forward? How, what is your goal? What is your dream? What do you, how does this move you closer to that? You know, does, when you're around this person, why are you trying so hard to please this person? If you're having to try that hard and it's not coming naturally, do you think that's who you should be with? So it's a, the process for me involves asking a lot of questions and listening to a lot of answers and a lot of I don't knows and letting them kind of guiding them toward knowing the questions more than giving them the answers. The worst thing a mentor can do is just keep telling you what to do. Right. That's going to get you nowhere fast. You've got to lead them to where they're asking the question, what should I do next, and thinking it through. Mm -hmm. And you're very carefully guiding them. Yeah. And one of the things that I learned um, with a couple of relationships of that nature um, through work over the past couple of years is, is to not always, to, to not give the answer. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a whole lot of opportunity to say, well, this is probably the best next step, but it's more impactful to let the person find the answer on their own and to say, well, what, do you, what are you thinking about doing and what are the pros and cons? And to really, it's that critical thinking. And that's what you're ultimately getting at, right, is you're training someone to think critically. Yeah, not, and you have to always remember, knowledge without sacrifice is knowledge without value. If they haven't had to sacrifice something and recognize that, then they're not going to value that piece of knowledge. You know, how many times did your parents say, I'm telling you this because I, I don't want you to make the same mistakes I did? And then you make those mistakes anyway. Yeah, well, hey, you survived them. Why won't I? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, well, but for you the want flip more of the for coin. your kids. You know, you want, you, you try, you learn some things you learn the hard way. And there are certain things that, you know, breaking your arm on a skateboard is something that can be learned the hard way. You know, you'd, you hope that because you jumped off the roof with your feet strapped to a skateboard onto a trampoline, that your kids won't because you can still show them the scars. I'm not talking personally at all here. And, uh, but at the same time, that's the, in terms of global impact to their overall life, that's small. Something like, you know, divorce, getting married to the wrong person, or not going through with school or, or choosing the wrong path in school, going, going for, to a four-year university when maybe that's not what you cut out to do. You know, trying to be an artist when you're really an athlete or vice versa. Those types of things that have long-lasting repercussions, those are the ones that you want, you want, at least thinking in terms of kids, those are the things you want them to listen to. Well, and the best mentors in my life have always been one-half cheerleader, one-half um, one half cheerleader, one half leader. One half somebody that's willing to share their knowledge with me and lead me but not pull me in a certain direction. Well, it's, it's a good coach. I mean, we've, you're not a huge organized sports fan, as we've talked about before, but that's what a good coach does is, hey, that's a great, that was a great job. Or when something doesn't go right, okay, next time try this instead of screaming, I told you a thousand times when we were during practice that you always blah, 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 blah. But instead of, okay, next time try this. Well, and the guy that's going to work, who's going to work harder for a coach? Just think of it in your mind. Who's going to work harder for a coach? A guy that knows, oh man, if I miss this catch, I'm going to be running laps and doing up-downs next week until I throw up every day four days in a row. Or, hey, if I catch this, a coach is going to be really proud of me. Well, who's, who's going to work hard? Well, I think that depends on the person more so than it does the coach in that case. That goes to your, to who you select as a protege. You know, because the, the key to that relationship is that as the mentor, you have to be able to convey the message in a way that it's received. And as a protege, you have to be able to listen to the advice and glean the information from it, even if it's not word for word. So having a relationship where you've got the right coaching style for the person to receive it and the person receiving it is actively trying to improve and not just, you know, appease. Those two things play really well together. Well, you can be a teacher and a leader, but when your protege fails, as they will, they're going to have some failures in their life. We've all had failures in our life. That's when being the cheerleader really is important. That's when it really matters. That's, the, that's when you have the chance to actually make a difference in somebody's life is you know one of my one of my bosses was one of my great mentors 
I made a mistake on a set of house plans. Cost the company about five grand. And because he was such a great mentor, I went into his office. I sat down. I said, I made this mistake. This is my problem. And he looked to me right in the eye and he says, it ain't the biggest mistake we've ever made. Now. Don't do it. Don't make another one. Yeah. Hey, if this, if this repeats, we'll have to figure out what's causing it. But you obviously, you know what's caused it. You know what's wrong. Now we're going to move on to the next step. And you can bet I never made that mistake again. Where if he had yelled at me and told me, you know, what a dummy I was, I probably would not have, I probably would have never fostered that relationship. That wouldn't have fostered that relationship in my life. It would have been a memory and not a lesson. Yeah, means means a lot. You know, um, he was one of the greatest mentors that I've ever known with everybody he touched. Yeah. Um, you know, a brief story. I'm not going to make it a long story, but I do have to tell a brief story here because I'm a storyteller by nature. You know, he was running a building business that I was doing the plans for. And a couple come in and they kept saying, we want to talk to the guy that's the boss. We want to talk to the boss of this company. And they talked to their agent and they talked to their superintendent and they weren't happy with their house. Well, finally, they kept hollering that same man mantra until he said, okay, bring them in the office. They came in the office. He said, superintendent, realtor, sit down in this conference room with these people and talk to them and see if you can straighten this out. Well, they went back to hollering, I want to talk to the boss. I want to talk to the boss. He walked right into our closing attorney's office. He said, draw me up a mutual release. He walked right in there, laid it in front of him, said, sign this. And they said, what? This is the release. You're done with my company. And they said, no, we want to talk to you about these problems. He says, no. These people, and he said it right in front of them, these are people I trust. These are people I have put in charge of you. They have done everything in their power to make you happy. They obviously can't. I'm not going to try. So sign the release and leave my office. Now, he did that knowing he lost one customer, but he gained two people in the realtor and the superintendent that would take a bullet for him after that. Right. And that's part of fighting down that ego not to put on your cape. I always get up every morning and remember, don't put on your cape. You're not a superhero. I feel like, I may be painting with broad strokes here, but I feel like that's such a guy thing of always wanting to be the hero. Oh, it is. I'm so guilty of that. It is. And, you know, I have to, so there's a lot of times, you know, there's phrases I always use. You used it earlier. Is there any fruit up that tree? Mm-hmm. And the other one is, am I about to put on my cape? And have I got the cape out? Am I fixing to step into the phone booth? Um, you know, am I fixing to do that? Because rarely ever does that solve the problem. Right. You know, if Superman catches the person that just jumped off the side of the Empire State Building, when he lands, what keeps him from running back up there and jumping off again? Right. You know, it's it's that's what it's all about. That's how it all comes together. So. Well, and oftentimes in in the real world you know, outside of actual superheroes, but that cape has a target on the back of it. Exactly. And you don't realize it until you put it on that all you're doing by, by taking up that mantle is making a target out of yourself. So having delved in the mentor-protege relationship, I do want y'all to send us letters on facebook.com slash the cigar cast or Instagram at the cigar cast and give me your opinion on mentorship. I'm really interested how that's happened in your life, how that works in your life. Who's been great mentors to you, and who have you been a mentor to, and kind of what did it feel like? Because it's, it's one of the most rewarding, satisfying, frustrating things I do in my life. <laughs> so, tell me about your cigar. You're about halfway, a little over halfway through it. I am really liking it. I don't know why I haven't picked this up in so long. It's, you know, I'm a big fan of a broadleaf wrapper. It's, it's so leathery in texture and in flavor. It's just a good, it's like, it, it, it's just, it, it, it tastes dark, if that makes, it tastes like mahogany, but in, in a, but not in, in a sense of that's how, it, of like flavor notes, but just that's the, the feeling I get from it. It's a little, little kind of on the earthy, nutty side. It's not real spicy at all. Um, that Indonesian tobacco, you can you can definitely taste. It's almost a. Um, it reminds me to a certain extent of um, Perique, uh pipe tobacco, ever so slightly. Why is it that most of our cigars that you know, if we walked in the humidor right now, it's ninety eight percent South American tobacco. 
why do we not have more cigars that have Turkish tobacco as legendary and Indonesian and so many different regions of the world? Why, I wonder why that market is so underserved in the cigar industry. It may have something to do, if I had to guess, uh, the same reason we don't have a whole lot of North American tobacco in our cigars is the fact that our climate doesn't tend to lend itself towards the big leaves that you need. You know, we tend to grow a little bit smaller plant. And just kind of thinking about what the um, climate is there, I would imagine that that might have something to do with it, where it may work for a, bi- for a filler, but maybe not a binder or a wrapper leaf. And I wonder if that has something to do with it. It may also be a supply thing. I can't imagine there's just a whole lot sitting there going unused. Well, it could also have be blamed on socialism. Because yeah. in a lot of instances where socialism reigns in these European countries, there's no real benefit to doing something new and innovative. So that may be killing part of it. But I would like to see a cigar company. You know, um, Fratello just released their flavored cigars, and Austin has them up front. I can't wait for my wife to come try one of the chocolate ones. Oh, the Toscanos, you mean? Yeah, Toscanos. Sorry, not Fratello. Toscanos. Yeah. And all. It's an Italian company, and it's dry-cured tobacco. And I, I almost, if I had not had this Don Pepin Blue, I would have picked one of those up to smoke on the podcast tonight. And if you haven't gone back and listened to our episode with Nate McIntyre, uh, this is distributed under the Miami Cigar La Aurora um, umbrella. So it's someone that we've had on the show. He talked about it a little bit. If you haven't heard that interview, definitely go back and catch that show to find out more about those cigars. Yeah, he had a tremendous amount of knowledge on that and the knowledge of how long that company has been around and how big a company that is. Pretty amazing um, the amount of knowledge we've had shared from different reps on this. I love the rep that really knows their product and comes in here and sits down and gives us everything they've got. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that the passion for the industry is something that that I try and convey, and I know you do as well, in every episode. And so being able to sit down and, and share a cigar with these guys that are living in the industry and really impart some of that knowledge on us has gone a long way for me because I've learned a lot since we started doing this show that, you know, I consider myself a bit of a nerd in the industry and, and understand a lot, but there's so much, so many gaps in my knowledge base uh, that it's been really fun to kind of fill in some of those holes. Jay Drescher just walked into the shop and he is dressed for success tonight. <laughs> he must have been in court. Uh, he, he must have been. He's a lawyer by profession, not <laughs> in court for his own purposes. But he, um, he's dressed for success. And if you notice, this is what I love. This is, to me, the hallmark of a successful human being. Since Jay Drescher released his book, have you seen him walk into this shop without a copy in his hand? No. Or a smile on his face, for that matter. Always got a copy in his hand. Always got a smile on his face. And now, this is funny. Watch, when he sits down at the bar, how people migrate to him. That just blows my mind. You know, last week we talked about mental posture and how the mental posture you choose to have in life affects so many of the people around you. And Jay, when he walks in, it just I feel a little better, and you start seeing people pulling toward him. Well, when we talked two weeks ago about happiness, and we mentioned that there are those people that when you see they're in the cigar shop, y- your night is automatically better. That's absolutely Jay Drescher for me. Like I, I enjoy spending time with the guy, and it's and like so many other regulars, that are here in the shop, and it just makes for a better night, better experience overall. Yeah, it's just, it's exciting, it's fun and all, and I, I'm sorry, I have to comment on that when he walked in, because he was all dressed to the nines and dressed for success. I've had a friend that's having a lot of health issues that called me last night, and all because he had just been in the ER, and he asked for my advice. He was asking, you know, hey, how do I do this? I said, you first, go get a haircut. <laughs> Say, get a haircut, start dressing better. Start spending, spend an extra 10 minutes a day on your appearance. An extra 10 minutes a day, shave. Um, Get your hair cut. Maybe instead of pulling that t-shirt out of the hamper, put on a nicer shirt. Take Take a few minutes and knock the dirt off your shoes. Well, look good, feel good is something that I kind of live by. You've mentioned on the podcast, I tend to, lately I've been dressing more casual in, in my you know, off days and things like that. But I have several people in my life who've never seen me wear a shirt without a collar on it. And it's just, that's because for me is that, that number is, is drastically reducing these days, but 
for me, it's, it's if you look good, you feel good. And taking that extra time and taking a little bit of pride in your appearance, wh- whether it's washing your car or, you know, taking a shower that morning or whatever it is, like, I, I definitely think there's a lot to be said for that. There is. A, there's a lot for, you know, again, we're talking about things you can impact with a minimal amount of effort that makes all the difference in the world in your life. And I'll keep a clean vehicle. Keep your car clean. Don't have McDonald's wrappers underneath the seats. Don't have that stray French fry sitting there on the floorboard making a grease spot. Yeah. Take a few minutes and just just clean your car. All of us got the ability to sweep out our car ever so often. And it just makes you feel better. It brings so much more to it. And then when you walk into the cigar shop, you kind of exude that that confidence that comes with that. Well, it's like the, the Olympics are on right now, and I'm a huge fan of the Olympics. And so I've, I've got the, the app where I can watch every event. And one of the things that I've been doing since it started is, is every morning when I wake up, instead of making my coffee and going back to the bed and just kind of laying there and or sitting in bed, kind of getting my day started, I'm actually turning the TV on in the living room and sitting on the couch. So I'm in a more upright position. I'm a little more active first thing in the morning, and I'm noticing that it's that it's helping me kind of get started because I'm, I'm not sitting back down immediately. I'm not laying back down. I'm not getting cozy again. I'm, I'm starting on an action note. Well, because it's funny because even if you go down to the simplest of minds that I deal with, which is my Labrador, my Labrador's brain is very simple. When my wife is home, he's a different animal than when she's not at home. When she gets up and leaves, when she gets up in the morning before I do and plays with him, he's grabbing the remote control. He's pulling down water bottles. He's doing all the mischievous stuff that labs do. Whereas when I'm home, you know, we're getting ready for our walk. He goes and takes a hit off the toilet and gets ready for his walk. He knows that's coming. And when he walks, it's a thing of discipline because that's what I project to him. Yeah. And I think what you, you what works with my Labrador works with human beings. Project <laughs> what you want to be. I like it. Well, it's starting to get a little loud in here, which means poker's about to start. So I think it's about time we wrap it up. Uh, it's been a really enjoyable episode. You plugged the Facebook page earlier. I just want to hit it again, facebook.com slash the cigar cast to get in touch with us. We love hearing from you. Also, Instagram and Twitter at the cigar cast. And you can always drop us a line via email, info at the Before we say goodbye. I can't let it go past. You're too humble to admit it. But how did you do in your marathon this weekend? <laughs> I won my age group. And I, so I'm, I'm so tickled. I, I appreciate you bringing it up because I'm still over the moon about it. I went in. It was a five-mile race. I went in with a goal of 40 minutes, which is an eight-minute-per-mile pace. I destroyed that at 26.18 final time, seven-minute and 12-second-per-mile pace average. Uh, just just flew and and it was a great race it was well organized and the weather was perfect it was 56 degrees and rainy I will take that for a run every single day well it was yeah it was mostly pouring rain the whole time that I was sitting on the porch having a cigar while you were running a marathon yeah I was worried that I was going to ruin my shoes luckily they're fine but congratulations. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. This is the part of my life that I really enjoy because I do get to cheer for you because that's an amazing accomplishment that you really put the effort in and I'm really proud to see you to see you reap the benefits of that. That's just awesome. Well, thanks. I really appreciate that. Well, thanks everybody for listening. It's been a motivational podcast. <laughs> sure I'm ready has. to go take on the day now. All right. Go win some poker. That, that's right. I'm all prepared for that. So everyone, we'll talk to you next week and have a cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.